your Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. And welcome to a Friday edition of the Locked On Longhorns podcast. I am your host, Patrick Kahn. You can follow me on Twitter at PatSportsGuy. Follow the show, LO underscore Longhorns. You can follow my co-host, who joins me each and every day, Cammy at Cammy and G. Cammy, it is Friday, day 27,000 of the quarantine. I feel like it really is. I lost track. I actually am trying so hard to keep up with the days of the week that I don't even know what day of quarantine we are on. Do you? Uh, I really don't. I just say like 27,000. I don't, I don't know how many days it's been. It's been too many. You know, I can't, you know, trying to think back to when this kind of quarantine thing started. I guess it started all the way back uh, at the Texas Texas Tech Big 12 basketball game. It was on a Thursday, I know, so maybe about three weeks ago. Yeah, I know Austin actually closed down their restaurants. I know that day because it was St. Patrick's Day. So yeah. I'm thinking a little over two weeks for sure that we've actually kind of had nowhere to go. Right. And, you know, it's funny. I left the house actually for the first time today and feels like a week or a month is what it feels like, really. It's, I actually had to get out and run some errands. You know, we needed some groceries, um, you know, as – as I'm having to feed a pre-teenager in my house, so you know I have to keep lots of food because they they eat out of house and home. Um, and let me just say this. While I was out, it became apparently clear to me that people do not want to stay in the house. And, and all I can say is you people better not cost me my sports because that's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> yeah, I've noticed that too. But if you think about it, there's still a lot of – essential groceries for example like milk bread eggs things that like actually expire pretty quickly yes so that's kind of why i have to keep returning to the grocery store even though i don't want to so i'm almost at the point where i have to go there again is alcohol essential (laughs) i mean i'm always stocked up on that so i don't think i need to make that run anytime soon i feel like it is essential okay so we have some news today um the athletic director, Chris Del Conte, came out today and announced that Karen Aston's contract will not be renewed and they will begin a new national search for their next head Texas head head coach, Texas women's head coach. Sorry. So let's just talk a little bit about what Karen Aston accomplished in her eight seasons at the University of Texas. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm actually a bit shocked by this. I know there's not actually a good time to ever do this but it just seems a weird timing for me because you're under all these strict guidelines in terms of the new head coach search and how are you going to make them comfortable when you do find one during all of these um, guidelines or restrictions going on right now so that's for another story but um, if you ask me to bet on which basketball coach would not return next season I would have said Shaka Smart over Aston but um, she took the women's basketball program to four straight sweet 16s from 2015 to 2018, and even advanced to the Elite Eight in 2016 after suffering just five losses that season. So it's not like she doesn't have accomplishments on her side. And I know Del Conte mentioned that obviously it was a difficult decision, uh, but ultimately Texas decided to move in a different direction with their continued goals to work uh, to to contend for conference championships and kind of that NCAA elite status. So I think Texas wants to consistently compete for the conference championships. And unfortunately that didn't happen while Aston was at Texas. She couldn't seem to get over the hump of being competitive with Baylor. I think she went one and 18 against Baylor, which is really her only downfall. She went 184 and 83 during her time at Texas and had a 93 
uh, to 51 record in the Big 12. So it was a bit shocking, I think, and obviously an unfortunate time for that to happen. But here we are. Yeah, so let's let's talk about what Chris Del Conte said. Uh, this is the quote that was released from the uh, Texas Longhorns Twitter account today. We can't thank Coach Ashton enough for everything she's done for the University of Texas and our Texas women's basketball program. She has given her all, and as this, um, and as and have the staff members. She is totally committed to our program and everyone involved in it for eight years. We have had our successes and challenges, and through it all, Coach Ashton has been a first-class represent representative of UT. She's a dedicated coach and a special person. Sorry, I had a little trouble reading that. Let me just say this. I think it's complete crap, to be honest with you. Uh, obviously, this is kind of a difficult time, like you said, and they decided not to renew her contract. I understand that. They want to be more competitive with the Texas women's basketball. I can buy all of that. What I'm not going to buy is the fact that you think that Shaka Smart, what he's doing with the Texas men's basketball is actually better than what the women are doing. Yeah, I agree with you here. I don't necessarily think she should have been relieved of her duties or things like that, but I do kind of see where Del Conte is coming from in the sense that he wants to win the Big 12. And I think that's obviously that shouldn't be your only goal, but that's kind of a first goal that you need to strive for before getting to the tournament. So um, she just had trouble against Baylor, and that's the only thing I can think of. She is coached. If you go by the – let's just talk about the tournament for a second. She has coached the one of the top eight teams once in that four-year run. And a top 16 team the other three times. Sweet 16, Elite 8. Mm-hmm. When was the last time Shaka Smart took Texas to the Sweet 16? Let me stop right there. <laughs> never. Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say back in his VCU days. Yeah, but he's never done it at Texas. That's the thing. It's yeah. like he can't get out of the first weekend. So maybe this is, irritates me a little bit, and I'm probably getting a little heated. But the fact that Shaka Smart is the head coach next season – I mean, you can factor in his contract, all of that. That's fine. But the thing is, Karen Ashton has actually done something at Texas with that basketball team, whereas Shaka Smart hasn't done a flipping thing. So let me ask you this. So obviously her contract's not going to be renewed. If you were Del Conte, for example, what would you have done during this, I guess, pandemic that we're in, plus the fact that her contract's expiring, plus factoring in her accomplishments and obviously not being able to win the Big 12 or really uh, compete with Baylor, what would you have offered her? Well, I still think she should have got at least, you know, a two-year, three-year extension. Yeah, I was thinking probably a two-year. I think just to kind of get the team through all of this unusual uh, time frame stuff we're in and we don't even know when it's going to go back to, Mm -hmm. um, I guess, usual schedules and requirements and things like that. So I think I probably would have given her a two-year deal deal, and then kind of backed off after that. And, and the reason I say two years, um, you have standout sophomore forward, Charlie Collier will be going into her junior year, um, you know, kind of give her two years to see that through before moving on. But obviously they decided to move on now. I don't agree with it. Now I think that they, and I think Chris Davis, or Chris Davis, I'm sorry, Brian Davis of, the Austin American Statesman said that they should probably look at Eugene 
look at the Oregon head coach, see if they can't pull pull that coach down to Texas. Obviously, mm-hmm. Oregon's a top-tier program. Uh, they were probably going to go on to play for the national championship this year. That would be a good idea. I don't know, maybe maybe call Mike White, the softball coach, and see if he has any ties <laughs> to the coaches up there and say, hey, you want to come down here to Austin? Right, it All seemed right. to work for the softball team. It, it seemed to work. All right, so speaking of softball, uh, Caitlin Washington tweeted out or announced to see y'all in the spring, so she will be returning in 2021 along with uh, Miranda Ellish. Yeah, and Caitlin Washington, this was obviously huge for Texas softball, by the way, but uh, Caitlin Washington actually had the second highest batting average on the team in 2020, and although it's hard to repeat that type of success for the team as a whole that they were experiencing before it was cut short, it's important to have as many players return as they can in order to make a run next season. And with her and Ellish, both the seniors announcing their returns, uh, that's obviously significant for the program. Absolutely is significant. All right, so coming up next, we are going to get into some of that 2005-2006 Rose Bowl championship game. All right, Cammie, so last night on ESPN at 7 p.m. Central Time, did you tune in to watch the 2006 Rose Bowl game? I did, and I was actually pleasantly surprised because I wasn't expecting the 2005 players or even as many of the current players and coaches to be live tweeting the re-air. So it was super interesting to see their views and thoughts at particular moments in the game. Even the Texas football social media team was tweeting out live scoring updates and highlights and posting to their Instagram as if it were a live game. So I think that kind of got everyone's mind off the pandemic that we're all in right now and I actually bet the viewing numbers will be much higher than I originally expected. Yeah, it seemed like everybody was talking about the game last night. And so that was fun, you know, kind of follow along with Twitter and what, what's being said. And I and I, I found this funny last night, and, and we're going to get into these these tweets, Twitter reactions. But the, there was one tweet that really stood out to me that, you know, I, I had to drop my phone because I was laughing so hard. It says, <laughs> I promise you there is no way Pete Carroll ever makes a worse decision with a championship on the line the remainder of his career. Whoops. I know. That was one of the most popular from last night. And I was kind of thinking about that. And if you think about the two plays they're discussing, obviously they went for it. What was it? Fourth and one against USC and didn't get it. They ran the ball. Uh, but Reggie Bush was actually on the sidelines. But they should have ran it there. And then obviously threw it when they should have ran it in that Super Bowl. So he made the right decision against Texas in the bowl game. He just fell short. And I think that probably haunted him and maybe made him second guess that call in the Super Bowl. So I'm not sure, but that was definitely interesting. How about Pete Thamel? Patriot source texted me tonight after watching White come up short on fourth down for USC and Pete Carroll. No wonder he threw it against us. Yeah, I think he must have, that must have just haunted him. I'm not sure. I, I don't know. Those two, those two cracked me up. What were some, uh, what were some other tweets that you came across last night that were that you loved? Yeah, speaking of um, kind of calling plays and things like that and knowing what to go with, I thought one was super interesting. This was from Travis Reeve. He's a coach right now. Uh, Not at Texas. He's just a coach in general. But he actually um, tweeted that he remembered the Texas offensive coordinator, Greg Davis, who obviously called the game in that Rose Bowl. 
um, Travis Reeve actually attended a clinic after shortly after the Rose Bowl, and they were discussing the last two drives. And Davis actually mentioned that uh, those were primarily first week install plays, and he talked about play calling and crunch time. And his best advice was basically to do what your players know best so that they can play fast with confidence. And that's exactly what Texas did the past like the last two drives of that Rose Bowl, and obviously it worked out for them. So I thought that was interesting. I thought um, the tweets about stories that were kind of unheard of uh, before watching that re-air last night were interesting. For example, Desmond Howard tweeted that the night before the Heisman that year, he was at dinner with Reggie Bush's parents, and Desmond Howard told Reggie Bush's parents that your son will win the Heisman tomorrow night but when they play Texas, they're going to face a player unlike anything they've seen all season. He was obviously talking about Vince Young, and that's pretty much what happened. So I kind of like hearing the behind-the-scenes stories that they were sharing on Twitter last night. Yeah, it was a a fun night, I should have to say, if you were watching the game, obviously. The game was entertaining. But then you also factor in how much fun it was to – follow along on Twitter and just hear, like you said, hearing the stories and, and all the different, you know, comments and the jokes about, you know, Pete Carroll jokes were flying uh, all over the place. So it was was real fun to watch and follow along. Yeah. And we always talk about how dominant this team was or how strong they were on both sides of the ball. But when you just watch the re-air like that and you're watching it with all these fans and former players and current players and coaches and they're all just like, wow, like you still forget just how dominant they were on both sides of the ball. And Tim Crowder actually tweeted as well that everybody on that team from second team to walk-ons believed uh, that they were the best and they would try to beat out the starters every day. And uh, Crowder mentioned that um, that's exactly what happened in 2005, and he thought their second team would have started at every other Big 12 school because practices were that phenomenal. So it was kind of a iron sharpens iron type of season for them. It really was, and and that team was just so, like you said, it was loaded from top to bottom. Um, you know, when you when you talk about all the players on the team, you know, you know Michael Hobb, Michael Griffin. Um, you talk about the offensive line guys. Uh, you know, just everybody involved. It was just, it was surreal. And then you get to think and you really look at it and you talk about the, you know, the defensive line from that night was Tim Crowder, Frank Oakham, Roderick Wright, and Brian Robison. You know, those are awesome. But then you have to think about, do you remember the names of the guys that were behind them? Um, No, not really. Do you? Brian Arakpo. Oh, gosh. Roy Miller. I forgot. They were youngins. Derek Loki. And I Jamal mean, Charles are, was young that season, too. Yeah, Jamal Charles was part of that team. And, and it's just uh, Lima Swede was part of that team. It's just it was so amazing to see. Uh, I think Selvin Young was part of that team, too. Yeah, he was. And he's actually, well, I decided this last night because I was finally watching like the full uh, re-air of the game. And he was, he has to, Selvin Young has to be one of the most underrated Texas players, in my opinion. He, he was pretty important to that, their success that season. But I did want to mention, did you see new offensive coordinator Mike Yersich's tweets during the game last night? I didn't. didn't He actually posted a picture on Twitter of his three kids and it was right after the first half. 
and it's of the three kids dressed in Texas Longhorns gear. It's two little boys and a little girl in a Texas Longhorns cheerleading outfit. And they're throwing the horns up, and he said the kids are already hooked. So I thought that was pretty cool because obviously he's kind of new to the Texas program, and his kids are all his kids were all into the game. And um, you kind of saw that from a lot of different families. I know co- head coach Tom Herman and his family was watching. Uh, Sam Ellinger actually tweeted that he was in the same room in the same spot with the same nerves that he was feeling in 2006. So I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah. The other player that, you know, you kind of forgot about, uh, you know, Ramon's Taylor, you know, what kind of the big game that he had, mm-hmm. you know, so it was, it was great. Cause you know, when people think of the Rose Bowl, they think of three players, Matt Liner, Reggie Bush, and, and Vince Young. And you kind of forget about everybody else that was involved in that just because it was those three who were the top players in college, you know, and, you know, they were all going to go to the NFL and they were all going to be drafted. And it's, it was just, you know, you look at it and like, those are the big names, but you forget just how much talent was in that game. Right. Um. And it also showed, I think everyone was tweeting, like, how many draft picks came out of that game just because it, it was just insane. And I think both teams combined for 53 wins or something that season. So it just had every storyline that you could dream of. But I did notice a lot of the national media was tweeting that it was uh, not only the single greatest performance ever by a quarterback, Vince Young, obviously, but it still to this day is one of the most exciting and probably the best college football game uh, to ever happen so far. So I would still vote it at the top. I don't think in, any game necessarily comes close to that just because of the storylines. I know we've witnessed tons of exciting up upsets and all these overtime games and things like that. But I don't I wouldn't put another college football game above this one so far. Yeah, yeah. And I think when you look at everything, like you said, the storylines, but what was on the table? I mean, what was on the line in this game? It was, you know, it was for the, it was for the whole thing, you know? So I think it's tough to really put another game ahead. So that's why I think, I mean, I know they've dubbed other games game of the century, but I think that this really was the game of the century. Right. I agree. Uh, And so, you know, it was a lot of fun, but we're going to get into some more classic game talks as Longhorns network is going to be airing a bunch of games on Friday And we're going to talk about which you might be tuning in to to, uh, watch. All right, Cammie. So tonight they are showing some classics uh, at 4 o'clock. It is Kansas versus Texas from 2009. At 7, it is the Texas versus North Carolina from 2002 football that is at nine o'clock they're showing texas versus kansas from 2004 and then starting late tonight they're going to show some basketball classics at 11 they're showing texas versus providence from 2004 at 1 a.m they're showing lsu versus texas from 2006 at three o'clock in the morning if you're still up texas Mm -hmm. a&m versus texas basketball 2007 and again in 2010 starting at 5 a.m so my question is Are you staying up to watch any of these games tonight? Oh, gosh. Probably not unless I'm just having trouble sleeping. But I do like that they're re-airing all of these uh, classic games or any classic games, for example. Obviously, last night was super successful with the re-air on ESPN. So I'm curious to see um, their viewer ratings and things like that on the Longhorn Network re-airs. But 
Um, I would probably tune in to a couple of the football games from four to uh, nine-ish if I can, but I don't think I'll be awake for any of the basketball ones tonight. I doubt that I would um, just because my there's just so much going on as far as, you know, things that we have to do <laughs> work-wise, kids-wise, right. you know, that it'd be tough for me to sit there and watch all night long. But I, I might tune into a couple. But my question for you is, of these games listed, you know, let's change it a little bit. If you could pick some classic games, which game would you would you add to the list? Well, since I already did the um, Rose Bowl re-air, I think the next one on my list would be the last meeting between uh, Texas and Texas A&M football. I think that would be a fun one to rewatch. I I agree, but I think they should show the 2005 Rose Bowl. Ooh. Texas Wait. and Michigan. That was a fun one. Yeah. I'm trying to think of other ones I would probably want to watch. Probably one of the Red River, River rivalries. Um, 2018? I do like that one in terms of Sam, but I also like the Jordan Shipley kickoff return. Um, ooh, that's hard. Which one would I pick between the two? 2008 or 2018? You got to pick one. Oh, gosh. I'm going to go with 2008. As much as I love 2018, we should have uh, beat them by a lot more, and it got kind of nerve-wracking at the end. But uh, I'm going to pick 2008 because we were both ranked pretty high at the time. Okay. I will I will go differently and say 2018, just to be contrarian. Yeah. Hopefully they do re-air those shortly. Okay, so, Cammie, if you were going to make a snack – watch these would it be late night cereal snack you must be talking about my tweet yesterday huh it's a foot it's a fun fact friday on this football friday so let's let's talk about your tweet uh what time did you tweet that out it was during the re-air of the game last night because a lot of people were giving me a mess for tweeting about cereal while Vince Young was playing football. So I thought that was funny. But yeah, I tweeted probably around the first or second quarter of that re-air that a cereal has to be the best late night snack ever. And it started a popular little debate. And most people agreed with me. Um, I wouldn't agree. Just because... Uh... If you watch, especially because mostly because of the timing of your tweet, it's during a football game, wings, I know. chips and queso, you know those things. All right, I totally so, agree. Uh, cereal, you're uh, are you a milk first or cereal first? Oh, I'm cereal first, and I do milk about halfway afterwards. About halfway? No, I do all cereal then milk. Uh, we don't do that milk first. No, no, all. no. That's that's mm-hmm. weird. That's weird. Yeah, I always do cereal first. And it's, I don't, the reason I don't put milk first is because then you're putting the cereal in there and you don't know if it's going to overflow or not. So I always put as much cereal as I want first and then fill the milk up appropriately after that. Which cereal do you go with? I have a wide variety that I like. So I'm I'm a big, um, I don't have one favorite, but recently I've been craving like the honeycomb type of cereal. So I don't know if you've had that, but growing up, I really loved Cinnamon Toast Crunch, um, Lucky Charms, Fruity Pebbles, all that. I don't necessarily eat those as much now that I'm an adult, but um, I've been craving the honeycomb-type 
maple flavored ego type cereals lately. Me, I'm a I'm a cinnamon toast crunch guy. That's what I want. I mean, I know I'm pushing on 35 years old, but I will still sit down and eat a bowl of cinnamon. Oh, toast me crunch. too. I don't even care. And it's weird yeah. because I have so many different cravings for late night snacks, but it always just seems like when I do make cereal late at night, and so I mean just like a couple hours after dinner or something like that. It doesn't have to be late at night, but um, if you're just watching a movie or something, it always feels or like seems so pleasing when you're having like a cold cup of cereal. I don't know why. I'm just like, and that's what I was thinking about last night watching the game. I was like, what snack am I going to have before I go to bed? And all I could think about was cereal. Texas is on the verge of winning a national championship in 2005, and you're thinking about cereal. <laughs> hey, I didn't miss a minute of the game now. That, that's good. All right, well, that's going to do it for this edition of the Locked on Longhorns podcast. So tune in next week. We're going to dive into some more old classic Texas Longhorns football games for Cami, I, and Patrick, and we will see you next week. Welcome. Okay.